Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermercado Bros Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. Today, the very funnest, the very cutest. <laughs> My name is Carl Brueggemann. <laughs> <laughs> Some of those weren't words, but I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann, <laughs> and I completely concur. I think that's the perfect spirit to go forward with in today's episode. The funnest, the cutest. Today, we're doing sort of a double header episode mm-hmm. on Kirby music, two absolutely stellar classic Super Nintendo titles. Yeah, it's the first half of the episode, we're doing 10 tracks from Kirby Superstar, and then we're finishing up the episode with 10 tracks from Kirby's Dreamland 3, uh, the two beloved Super Nintendo entries in the Kirby series. We've talked about this for a long time, you know, we've featured pretty heavily uh, both of these soundtracks, and I, it's been years ago, I think, since we had the idea of, oh, at some point we should do like a double episode and, and do just the best Kirby SNES music, and that's we're finally getting around to today so really excited Kirby music always puts a smile on my face you can just always bank that it's going to be fun it's going to be energetic it's going to be jazzy and it's going to put you in a good mood and that's definitely going to happen today so look forward to this guys Uh, sit back relax and enjoy some wonderful video game music super duper so will do you have any thoughts before we get into the music here um as far as how you view the series of kirby as far as the music goes compared to other video game series well, the thing that I love about Kirby um, is it's just so much fun on like a sheer kinetic energy level, and right. it has such a signature sound. It's kind of like this very campy, tongue-in-cheek, but uh, very classically influenced sound, yeah. and it doesn't um, really remind me of any other series of games. And what's so cool about that is it really is a signature style probably the most striking in terms of any Nintendo franchise. I mean, the 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 sound of Kirby, I think, is a much more specific set of things than, say, like Mario or, or Zelda is even. Um, and what's fun about that is, you know, last year we did that episode on um, that kind of recent game, Kirby, uh, the planet Robobot or whatever. Yeah. And that sound, I mean, even down to like the timbres and the instruments, sounds so similar to, I mean, like what we just played played in with well yeah weren't there pieces of music that they used like super nintendo samples mixed in with modern virtual instruments right so, yeah in, in some ways the super nintendo was a time for the series uh series composers such as juni shikawa that they really were able to stretch out and come into their own and so when i think of kirby music the first type of sound that that i think of is actually the super nintendo because you're able to have more channels and you're able to flesh out these jazzy chords and and this level of ambience mixed with catchy melodies that i I think is classic Kirby. Now, obviously, the series started on the Game Boy in 1992 with the first Kirby's Dream Land, so there is some some classic nostalgia tied to that, but I'm of the opinion that the Super Nintendo was a system where this series really um, c- kind of came into its own, so really excited about this. The thing that's interesting, though, is even as early as the Super Nintendo, I feel like they were already trying to sample older sounds. Like, I feel like true. Um, these composers are trying to make the Super Nintendo sound like a Game Boy, like that bass instrument um, kind of reminds me of the sawtooth kind of bass sound that you'd that's get good, on the Game Boy. Point, and the that sound that maybe sounds like a flute or something, that's the melody, I feel like is actually just trying to be kind of like a square lead. Um, well, I think part of that is what we just heard playing in was Float Islands, and that is a melody originally from the first Kirby's Dreamland. So I think whenever they do these remixes, and a significant amount of Kirby Superstar features melodies from earlier 8-bit Kirby games. And when they're remixing 
composing those songs, there is kind of a mandate to to kind of harken back to some of the tones that we that we first heard. So that's really cool. But yeah, in my opinion, the original melodies you don't hear that quite as much. You hear a lot more unique instruments, you know, tubas and synth leads and things like that. So all right, should we get into it, Will? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Like we said, you heard Float Islands up top, and we're going to start today with Kirby Superstar, which came out in 96 for the Super Nintendo, composed by series leader Jun Ishikawa, as well as kind of a mysterious figure, Dan Miyakawa. Uh, He wasn't featured on any other projects in the series, so I don't really know anything about uh, that other gentleman, but... He was also credited. Let's move on to a really interesting original piece uh, written for this game. This is White Wing Dynablade. Let's take a listen. Classic Kirby music right here. This is White Wing Dynablade, composed by Jun Ishikawa and Dan Miyakawa. This is definitely a, a Jun Ishikawa composition. This is from Kirby Superstar for the SNES. This has all of the earmarks of classic Kirby. Those harmonized, arpe- those really fast harmonized ar- arpeggios that you hear throughout this whole track. The crazy fluid jazz changes, modulations that you hear, which is really expressive and experimental, really catchy melodies, energetic rhythms. This has has everything about it uh, that I point to for, for things that set Kirby music apart. It's such a great marriage. I mean, I think the, the visual design of the character of Kirby is almost like the essence of cuteness. Like, he's just an adorable right. pink blob that smiles and eats things. Like, he, he's probably one of the cutest character designs of any character in history um and i feel like the 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 musical style of this series i don't know if it was like a difficult thing um that took a while to kind of find the right match i know there are stories of koji kondo trying to you know get the right tone for super mario brothers and writing a few different pieces of music before he got to that overworld theme um, but there's something so undeniable and just this, this perfect symbiosis of the music and the character um, mm-hmm. in the case of Kirby. I almost imagine like it was such an instinctual, immediate response. And it's a thing that has never really been abandoned in the series. Absolutely. And so we're going to get a lot of different tones today. We're not just going to get that that cute and plucky sound. We are going to get some some really interesting pieces of music. And that's what I love about these two SNES entries is there's a lot more experimentation and jazz influence uh, that we hear in these scores. And that's something that I think doesn't really get talked about enough. So let's move on to uh, a track that's a good example of that. This is really interesting. This is called Marshmallow Castle. And this is another track that I'm just so confident is composed by Jen Ishikawa. Um, this one is is very jazzy. There's some really interesting chord progression. There's moments of this piece where it kind of feels more modal to me than than something that's based in either a major or minor scale. Oh, sure. Really interesting chords, interesting harmonies. Uh, and I just absolutely adore this implementation here. Let's take a listen to Marshmallow Castle from Kirby Superstar. Thank you. 
You guys listening to Marshmallow Castle from Superstar. This is such a perfect piece of music. Um, chronologically in the game, it's one of the it's one of the first examples you hear of this different sound. And in the series, it's a it's a it's quite a change of pace. The tempo is slowed down, the chord progression is a lot more wandering, and it's not quite as feel good. It doesn't give you all of those like really positive emotions that, you know, a lot of this like really Kirby music is kind of like this drug where you just get this fix of you know endorphins where sure. this track isn't really trying to do that uh, and there's something kind of soloistic and um, kind of spontaneous about this I think this is really awesome yeah th the other thing that's perfect about this style um, for the Kirby series just in terms of tempo um, is we, we described I guess a little bit you know Kirby is this adorable pink blob but when you actually play the games uh, Kirby's not a character that's all about speed um, which you might not expect when you think of some really iconic pieces the tempo. of music yeah. <laughs> uh, right in the series I feel like the kind of frenetic energy that happens in a lot of these tracks is meant to capitalize kind of the the cutesy aesthetic of the overall design and world but what I love about a track like this is to me this captures like the rhythmic vibe that um, is almost like conjured up when you just play the game like the, right. the experience of, of the sheer mechanics themselves um, and what I think was really fun about these two Super Nintendo entries is, you're right, Carl, these composers did kind of venture into more outside genres. To me, though, there yeah. are still such tenets in the music that remind me of Kirby. Uh, something that I love about this track, you mentioned that it was modal, um, but it's kind of that like jazz modal sound. And it really uh, comes together based on like how the chords are voiced, that sort of top right. voice that did. It's going from yeah, like the minor great? seventh down to the third, so it's like we're getting this Dorian modal thing, but it has this kind of seventhy, um, like fun jazz sound, and then there's that kind mm -hmm. of modulating two five one B section that also feels really Kirby to me. I mean, I, I think part of it is just uh the sound of these two titles um what might right. have been kind of like a departure at the time um this style has now been kind of accepted as part of the corpus of the series well when you go back and listen to the original kirby's dreamland and then you know the nes game and kirby's dreamland 2 there's definitely a really great combination of uh kind of pop music and really catchy melodies classical music there there is some jazz from the very beginning and and that's really great but in my opinion superstar and dreamland 3 there's so much more jazz and the way that they combined jazz and fusion and experimental music with uh with more digestible simple music is i think very very impressive and that's what we're going to hear in this next track so i want you guys to pay attention the very very first thing you hear the intro which is i think just a couple measures long is very jazzy it'll go through this chain of chords that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense from a theory standpoint um but then it, it immediately goes into the main theme that's just absolutely adorable and plucky and classical uh, and so it's just kind of it turns on a dime going from something a little bit more experimental to something that's very feel-good, and it's absolutely classic Kirby. Let's take a listen to Candy Mountain from Superstar. Mm -hmm. 
You guys are listening to Candy Mountain from Kirby Superstar. And you hear what I'm talking about there, Will, where it starts off in one direction, and then immediately you're thrust into this classic Kirby sound. It's just, uh, you know, it's a melody and a rhythmic sequence that reminds us of a lot of folk music and classical music. Um, but, you know, you're combining it with just a little bit of jazz fusion. <laughs> Right, yeah, I think it's like because that kind of um, it, it sounds like a like a sharp eleven like Lydian kind of chord, but it keeps um, being modulated down a half step and then back up, and it, it's mm-hmm. it's um, interesting. Yeah, it is very jazzy if you were to examine the kind of harmonic implications. Yet at the same time, the way it's implemented with those instruments and kind of like at that fast, very plucky, arpeggiated rate, um, it sounds like Kirby right off the bat. I mean, to me, it's like that is part of the Kirby sound, like slightly right. more luscious harmony. I, I think one of the things that I love about Kirby music is it's so unpretentious. You know, it's it's. Um, I think people don't necessarily give it enough credit for having musical ingenuity, yeah. for having these great melodies in these really rich chord progressions, because I think people hear the presentation of it. And that's one of the things that I really admire, um, because I do think there are video games that go for kind of a plucky, cute aesthetic, um, and they're a little bit more... Because I said tongue-in-cheek, but tongue-in-cheek in the sense of that it's overly simplistic and that it feels like it's mm-hmm. holding something back. But what I love about Kirby music is I think it gives the listener the impression that it's very non-threatening and unassuming and simple but it's not really also simple when you when you look at it underneath the hood there's a lot of kind of um advanced harmonies and uh things in terms of the arrangement just really complex very uh noty ornamented lines well it's it's basically going for a type of music but it's basically this music on drugs or it's this music on steroids and that's what you get for a lot of video game scores where it might be a classical thing or a rock thing but the video game version of that and Nintendo's known for this is going to be so souped up and a little bit weirder than any other you know classical music you've heard or folk music you've heard um, and so that's kind of what we get with with the Kirby series uh, so now we're going to move on to I think the most beloved melody probably in the entire Kirby series, the most famous melody. This is used in countless other games in the series, in the Smash Brothers series. Um, This is a wonderful example of combining a couple different genres together. There's there's a clear folk influence in in this track, and it reminds me, I don't know if you would agree, Will, but it kind of reminds me of like Russian classical folk music. Yeah. Do you know what I'm sure. talking about? Yeah, totally. All right, so so let's play this. This is the first time in the series this melody was ever introduced. It's Run, Kirby Run. <laughs> Thank you. 
You guys are listening to Run Kirby Run, composed by Jun Ishikawa. Dan Miyakawa is also credited. Uh, I really don't know how much he, he did on the score. I'd be curious to find out his contributions. This is from Superstar. First time hearing this infamous melody. I wonder what it was like playing this game for the first time. I wonder if there's any fans that knew as soon as they heard this, wow, this is this is going to be a classic. Because it's, it's an absolute classic for video games. One thing that I think is so impressive about it is every single section is so melodic and so memorable. At, like you could you could hum each individual section and I think it's like four different sections and fans all around the world would would be able to hear it and that, that's a, that's a pretty tall feat dude I, I can't tell you how much I love this this is this is one of my favorite pieces of video game music I mean I think it might be one of my yeah. favorite pieces of music it's perfect like I maybe I, I don't know people think I use hyperbole a lot on this podcast because I get really excited about something I love but I really think this is perfect I mean the melody is just so so flawless you can't change a single note and make it improved and mm-hmm. it's understandable you know in the section like there's such an economy of notes and y- y- mm. you know they, they really stick to that motive they really commit to it they don't add any flourishes or ornamentations you know when they sort of change it they keep the same rhythmic context but I still think it's perfect even when it's going into you know it's not just about like a really simple basic um few note idea it's like yeah you have this incredibly simple and iconic motive that feels like timeless and classic but then you go into this kind of really fun dancey section what i love about it is you're right carl i mean this could just be a great piece of classical music it sounds like something Mm -hmm. from like a russian ballet uh russian or hungarian i think the reason why we have that association is because it's using that modal aeolian minor we're oftentimes in uh classical music they would make the five chord uh, often called like the dominant chord they would make it major so that it could have this kind of more classical dominant tonic function Um, but what happened in um, a lot of the 19th century um, in Europe is there became this idea of nationalism and a lot of different Mm -hmm. countries trying to find their sort of musical folk origins which is why I think this track having that kind of modal sound it reminds us of you know it reminds us of you know Russian composers or uh, even like Hungarian composers, and it, it has that sound to it. I think that's very true. Um, I I love the one-two punch of that piece followed by this piece. If you open the soundtrack, they're right together, and I'm really excited to move to this. The next thing we're gonna do is Hilltop Chase, and this one has a similar tone to it because it's very fast-paced and it's it's in a minor key. But this one is more of like a ska feel, in my opinion. It kind of reminds me of this very devious. This is like a devious ska song that I could actually hear a ska band perform, and I think it'd be it'd be a really awesome cover. I don't think I've ever heard that in the video game world. So there should be there's some ska band out there that's got to do a, a live remix of this. Let's take a listen to Hilltop Chase. <laughs> Thank you. 
absolutely love this because this is so clear this was written by the same person in the same time of that Run Kirby Run track. There's kind of like some gas left in that tank here compositionally. There's some of these same elements that are used in that track, but this is a very different tone. Um, this one's a lot more fun and funny. There's a sense of humor on this. Some of the dissonances are really kind of played up and exaggerated, and there's some really nice pitch bending and vibrato. This is I don't know. I, I just think this is a uh, this is a blast. Yeah, totally. And now we even get like literal quoting and referencing from that final section in right? the Run Kirby Run. That's that true. Motive. Um, this is a very different piece of music, though. Even though there's some similarities on the surface, harmonically it totally abandons that kind of classical sound. That's true. You do get a lot more uh, dissonance, and you know, actually harmonically, what this really reminds me of is video game music. It makes me think of you know things from like the Final Fantasy. Fantasy series. Um, oh, good a lot of call. these kind of half step modulations moving back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. I want to explore um, more kind of like older anime music and see if there are some traditions there musically that may have influenced a lot of early video game music because there are certain things that are just kind of. Um, common things that I imagine were just like in the ether in Japan at the time Mm -hmm. and I don't necessarily know the origins for it I mean a lot of times when we talk about some of like the you know influence of jazz fusion or you know Japanese pop music in um, the sound of video games and we talk about you know the influence of um, Japanese film music and even American film music and anime but I I really like to do a deep dive into um, some slightly older uh anime and Japanese film composers because there is certain moves like that mm-hmm. um, harmonically that I, I just kind of suspect um, have slightly older roots than maybe we've ever gotten to explore on this show. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, where did all this stuff come from? Because you hear it crop up time and time again, you know, by these various composers. And is there a likelihood that they're just listening to each other's work? Like, maybe it's more likely that it's all kind of coming from something in the past. That, that That's interesting. All right, let's move on to a really delightful piece of music. This is a classic for me. This is Grape Garden. This is one of the tracks that Will was alluding to. Uh, I think it features some lead uh, stuff that's trying to sound like 8-bit instruments, but they're sampled on the Super Nintendo. So it's a very retro sound. Even for this time, you know, it's, it's a retro sound. Uh, there's like two levels of retro when we listen to it now because I think SNES music can be can feel retro, but this, you know, in 1996 was, was trying to feel retro as well. So let's take a listen to Grape Garden. <laughs> listening to Grape Garden from Kirby Superstar. 
This is a piece of music that I think starts with some elements of uh, melodic material that we've heard in previous games, but then goes off into its own direction. And yeah, the original stuff. This is, is this is an example. Who knows? This this might be a Dan Miyakawa uh, composition as far as the the original material here. Um, it's hard to say. This is a pretty big score, and there's definitely a lot of pieces of music that go in different directions, and there's a lot of tracks where I have no idea who, who composed. Um, but yeah, uh, there's like a bridge section in this track where you hear these harmonized uh, instruments that to me sound like they're trying to be square or pulse leads, mm-hmm. and I just think that's that's really adorable. I just love that sound. We get that also in the Mega Man X games. Like Mega Man X2, uh, there's some tracks where they have this like square sampled sound, which there's just a really pleasing quality to it. Well, I love thinking about composers um, that worked on, you know, 8-bit platforms like, you know, the Famicom or the Game Boy, and then moving to the Super Nintendo, we, we oftentimes, I think, imagine composers just, like, fighting an uphill battle mm-hmm. against the limitations and being so excited to move on to a more technically advanced platform. Well, well, what's interesting about the Super well, Nintendo is it's kind true. of like... Yeah. Yeah, they get there, and then they're like, oh, well, we kind of like the sounds we were well, having on the Game Boy. Well, not just the sounds, but there's a lot of horror stories about, at the time, the Super Nintendo was a terrible system to work with. Very unintuitive. If you didn't work for Nintendo and weren't, like, incredibly talented at, you know, knowing how to get the best out of the system, it was very limited. And there's so many Western composers that when they worked in that era, someone like Matt Furness comes to mind and they made a game for the Genesis and the Super Nintendo. They would write it for the Genesis and then have to port it to the Super Nintendo and they would have a terrible experience. And a lot of times that music didn't sound very good. So this was a difficult system to work with, especially at the time. And And it's just interesting to think about the the different solutions to that. I mean, I think some composers really rose to the occasion and created these beautiful kind of orchestral imaginative uh, soundtrack, something like Chrono Trigger. They're know, almost all the Japanese past. composers that were able to yeah. do that. Yeah, you know the Final Fantasies and and what have you. Uh, but what's interesting about you look at what happened with Kirby is it's almost like it, it feels like a port of a Game Boy or NES soundtrack. Um, I think these composers are um, clearly taking it to sort of the next level, and um, there's a lot more um, you know sophistication in terms of the voices and even the the harmonies than necessarily there was on those eight bit systems but in terms of the timbre and sound and really the style of the music there's such a consistent um overlap i think between the kirby games that have come before and this more so than any other series i can think of yeah i absolutely agree with that god this is such a delightful score we have three more tracks from superstar before we move into dreamland 3 and for me personally as much as i love superstar dreamland 3 holds a really special place in my heart i think it's a very special score so really excited to get to that uh let's move on to, to we're approaching the end of the score here and there's a lot of interesting pieces of music and a lot of different genres this track here it's called meta night defeated reminds me of spanish folk music uh there's a strong emphasis on this solo trumpet has a lot of expression uh really like this track let's take a listen to meta night defeated
Isn't that badass? I think this is a criminally underrated track. Nobody talks about this. It's so unique. It, you know, it has, like I said, I think a pretty strong Spanish influence, but then there's this kind of jazz organ solo B3 section, which is so cool and so inventive for the time. This is definitely, in my opinion, a Dan Miyakawa possible track because it's so different from everything else on the score. I could totally see this being a track he composed. But if that was the case, I think it's it's pretty great because he's definitely following the lead of Ishikawa as far as some of those jazz changes. Some of the same modulations and descending chords that you hear in a lot of the score. And so, so either case, you know, both of these composers really established in a cohesive sound. And even though they went off into all these different genres and sounds, there's something about every piece of music that kind of glues it together and makes it feel Kirby. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's that that organ solo is almost like hard bop or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really cool sound. Um, it just in in terms of the arrangement and the style and the like you mentioned, Carl, the the mix of influences. I think this would be a great kind of reference track for someone working on kind of a retro throwback game. Yeah. Um, I, I know that we've had experience working on titles like this i think that this would be sort of a nice piece to sort of deconstruct and and kind of figure out everything that's happening underneath the hood there because yeah there really is um so much ingenuity in my estimation that's happening here um it's so fun that you know in in the previous track we talked about kind of like a, a cardinal um honoring of an existing sound and being very strict and true to that but then here Mm -hmm. we have another example of not only does this not sound reminiscent of music that's existed for this series but it doesn't really sound like any other piece of music that i can think of either which is so great in um a game with a score that's this dense and with these many tracks in a series with this many titles that you can get this kind of creativity and ingenuity i just think that really needs to be celebrated well, and this first game came out in 96, but it should be mentioned that the game we're going to move to next came out in 97, so it's only a year apart. So they composed a lot of great music. This was an especially creative period, I, I, I am of the opinion. So, all right, let's move on to a piece of music called Floating Away, and I think this is very important because when you listen to the, the sound that was established on this track, both the instrument samples that are used, the groove, the chord changes, the atmosphere... It was a really special thing that composer Juni Shikawa continued to explore and went back to in his pre- in his next game, Dreamland 3. So this is a really classic Kirby SNES sound here. This is Floating Away from Kirby Superstar. This is the funkiest, most beautiful thing I've ever heard. It's amazing. This is floating away from Kirby Superstar. Um, 
Absolutely, this is Janishikawa. It's so crazy. He used a lot of these same samples in his Dreamland 3, the next project he worked on. A lot of the same chords, a lot of the same progressions. Just this kind of floating major seventh quality here is is so beautiful. Um, just yeah, the sound that he that he established on this track is special and um i think it really captures the spirit of kirby in a different way this is kind of like kirby on his day off yeah absolutely what i really like about this track is kind of the core musical elements of it the melody and uh, the chords it feels like something out of zelda like it's this really beautiful descending chord progression with a very simple um, and longing melody that's kind of in this strict sequence, but then it has this kind of you know chunky swing to it. You know, it's it makes it sort of plucky and fun at the same time. Yeah. But, but Carl, I completely agree with something that you said while we were listening to it, with which was this is the most funky and beautiful thing I've ever heard. <laughs> um, it, which the is bass like syncopation. Those two things don't necessarily go together all the time. I think when people are listening to music, but yeah, it totally is like rhythmically the groove is so solid but right the, the if you don't know what i'm talking about really listen listen to the bass on this track and listen to how it interacts with everything very very funky stuff all right this is really cool we're gonna move on to the last piece of music from kirby superstar and this is another track that is a very much a departure from the series there's some kind of epic film score vibes in this one but there's also again similar to that meta knight defeated i hear a little bit of spanish influence so maybe that's an element that happens uh, late in the game so this is gladiator kirby let's take a listen say this is another very underrated piece of music for the super nintendo you guys are listening to gladiator kirby which has a lot more um film score influence than anything else on the soundtrack you hear some strings here you hear some timpanis and orchestral instruments um but you know it's it still has that spanish quality and there's a little bit of jazziness uh fusion elements in this um and i think this is this is underrated because the writing here is so confident and free and it goes into so many different um directions on a dime uh if you would actually break this down and study the chords of of this piece of music i think this is a this is a great example of the complexity uh that the chords establish in this series but the overall presentation feels familiar and comfortable and, and in some ways simple but there's actually a lot of complexity under the hood to get this to happen. Um, yeah, this is just a very unique piece of music and, and one that I think is very underrated. Yeah, I love this one. I have to be honest, I'm not really familiar with this track, but this might oh, cool. be like sort of a standout of the day so far for me. I mean, it has so yeah. many 
uh, really creative and fun sections and it feels like Kirby music but it also has these sort of distinct other influences uh, yeah this one's really fun I mean kind of like that Meta Knight defeated it has a little bit of like a Spanish kind of vibe to it yeah um, but I think it goes even further than that track and a lot of other aspects well, it's interesting this wasn't our uh, choice for track of the week uh, when we when we decided it but you know we could we could maybe have two this week I'm not opposed to that I think the hard thing is if, if it were up to me run Kirby run would be track of the mm. universe because I think that's just <laughs> like the greatest thing ever it is pretty amazing but we can stick to our original choice Cool. Just just know everyone that we we love this track. It's very underrated. Okay, let's finally move on to Kirby's Dreamland Three, which holds a very special place in my heart. Probably my personal favorite Kirby score. I loved it so freaking much that I ended up making my own homage album, really based on this more than anything. There's definitely a lot of Kirby superstar influence on my album, uh, which came out a few years ago called Another Day in Dreamland. If anyone is interested, but yeah, Dreamland Three was the the main influence. Uh, something about listening to the score. I remember years ago um i had heard a couple tracks from it but i never dove in and and there was one day at work where i just had it on and i was listening to it for hours and it was just so mesmerized by how jazzy it was how expressive it was how catchy it was the implementation it's one of the best sounding super nintendo scores ever and it's a very popular score for people that are um for people that remix and, and compose music with Super Nintendo, like whether or not they use SNES sound fonts or try to rip the samples, Dreamland 3 is one of those soundtracks that a lot of people go back to. All right, let's start things off with one of the main themes of this game. It's the first stage theme. It's kind of like the sequel to Green Greens. It's absolutely delightful. Let's take a listen to Grassland 1, composed by Jun Ishikawa. guys listening to grassland one from dreamland three composed by the master himself jun ishikawa really the shining star of of this series composed some of the absolute best melodies this is phenomenal uh it kind of takes everything that that this composer has learned throughout his his time working in the series but it's so much more advanced and it is this fusion no pun intended of so many different influences so many different styles but the overall package just feels so natural and makes you just so happy what's crazy about this is it is kind of using the dna of the green greens theme in terms of the accompaniment and arrangement and everything oh, but for it's sure. such a fantastic new melody it almost doesn't matter 
Um, because it, it is a quite simple chord progression uh, mm -hmm. to Green Greens. The, the great thing about that piece of music is it's such an iconic and catchy melody. But this is also an iconic and catchy melody. I mean, the this crazy might thing about Kirby bit... is there are so many fantastic melodies in, mm -hmm. in this series that kind of tread over similar grounds. What I love about Jun Ishikawa's style as a composer is he's so pure. He really gets to the heart of an idea. There's not you know, um, there's not more notes than need to be there. Like the yeah, way that this wraps true. up ya, da, 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 it's kind of like as simple and as pure is it can be but it's that juxtaposed with a really frenetic kind of frantic accompaniment well it reminds us also of run kirby run there's some certain melodic fragments where will was saying when you listen to this you can tell this is the same person who wrote run kirby run and that's true it, it was ishikawa um and yeah he he really came up with something special on this melody i'm i might be in the minority but i actually like this more than green greens i think this is such a wonderful piece of music it's not just about the quality of that initial melody but this track and part of it is that it's on the Super Nintendo. It's able to explore and, and take that idea and expand upon it, add interesting harmonies, and talk about those harmonized pan flute flurry of arpeggios that you hear on the left channel. You know, it, it's so much more jazzy than what was possible on the Game Boy because you have these extended sevenths and ninths uh, on these chords. Uh, oh, just such a delight. Oh, my gosh. So excited to continue with this score. All right. Let's move on to Grassland 2. Now, what's crazy is that, you know, you listen to um, a stage theme like a grassland or a ripple field or a sand canyon, right? And you're like, wow, that was so great. And then there's, you listen, there's two more. For, for a lot of these stages, there's three separate themes, all with new melodies. And they're all so good. It just boggles my mind. Let's take a listen to Grassland 2, which is also a wonderful piece of music, composed by Juni Shikawa. That is the best. <laughs> you guys listening to Grassland 2 from Kirby's Dreamland 3, composed by Juni Shikawa. Will was saying that he wants us to also cover this in the in the, the Mercado band. That would be a really cool one-two punch, because we we cover another song from Dreamland 3 already. But yeah, this this is just so just groovy. There's so much space in this. And going from uh, Grassland 1 to this, it's a really nice change of pace because that was frantic and the flurry of notes, there's no pauses anywhere, no break of energy in that piece of music. Whereas this one, the tempo slowed down, the drums are this halftime groove. Uh, it's, yeah, this is, this is a groovy piece of music. 
Absolutely. You know, it's funny, there are certain things from uh, your Another Day in Dreamland, because a lot of your tracks um, are kind of nods to specific pieces. And you yeah, have a this piece was that's one of the biggest very ones, much, yeah. uh, you know, in the style of this. And I remember it has this this little kind of counter melody, this... Yeah. And it's like, whenever I'm listening to this now, I'm almost like, oh, when's that going to happen? Like, oh, I'm almost funny. like expecting uh, that kind of idea. Yeah, it actually happens to me too, where sometimes when I listen to the track that inspired one of the one of the pieces on that Another Day in Dreamland, I kind of do that too, where I kind of forget which one was which, uh, which, which is kind of wild. But yeah, this was definitely one of the pieces in the score that was the most influential to me. Um, uh, and there is multiple tracks, probably two or three tracks that I composed where I went back and listened to this and kind of studied the harmony and the chords and the part writing and everything. It's just, oh my gosh, it's just endlessly inspirational for me. Okay, let's move on to this week's track of the week. It's a tough choice because we, we like so many pieces in the in this series. But yeah, this is this is a classic. We play this in the Mercado Band. This is Ripple Field 1. And I absolutely adore this. It's it's always been one of my absolute favorites. It's very jazzy, very exploratory, super catchy, and it's just a happy dance party. Let's take a listen to Ripplefield One by Juni Shikawa. guys listening to ripple field one from kirby's dreamland 3 for the super nintendo composed by series composer jun ishikawa and hirakazu ando is also definitely a legend in the series and composed a lot of great music none of his work is <laughs> featured today but it's okay uh yeah this is such a special piece of music it kind of for me takes almost everything that works about kirby music uh, and it's just presented in such a strong way i think the melody's great I think it's really beautiful. Um, there's a lot of modulation and interesting chord changes. Difficult to learn and perform, I will say. Um, it is a little bit ADHD where it kind of goes to so many different directions so quickly, and only Kirby music, um, you know, does that so so effectively. But um, yeah, this uh, at the end of the day, this is just a, a piece that makes you smile. <laughs> totally. God, what what a beautiful song and what a fun uh, and just uplifting arrangement. 
I love that we get to do this in the band. This is one that I kind of don't want to get rid of. Sometimes uh, this is a song that we always have to axe when we're performing if we're going long, just because it's so physically draining to play. I have to play the Let's harmonize arpeggios. God, that's hard. I remember practicing that for weeks on the upright piano of the place I used to live in. Uh, to prepare for our very first show, and I remember just like every day I had to like warm up my hands and just dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it, dig it. And it, <laughs> now I can do it pretty consistently. But yeah, it's it's one of those examples of video game music that was never intended to be performed. Okay, let's now move on to Ripple Field Two, which is also an amazing piece of music. Let's take a listen to this from Dreamland Three. You guys are listening to Ripple Field 2, which is, again, very nice change of pace from Ripple Field 1. This one's a little bit silly as far as the, the wide vibrato that you hear in the lead instrument, but the melody is very beautiful. It's an interesting juxtaposition. It's kind of this humble presentation of, I think, a very beautiful theme, but uh, something about the implementation here is a little bit quirky, a little silly. To me, the melody sounds like something that our brother Marty would write. Uh, there's something really that. vulnerable and... Um, innocent and sweet about Ernest, it yeah. I, I love this melody it's a great piece of music and it's definitely underrated when it comes to dreamland i think it's overshadowed by ripple field one and overshadowed by the grassland theme so this is not one that i hear people talk about all that much and ripple field and uh, ripple field three is also a great track we're not we don't have time to play that today but um yeah that's that's definitely you guys gotta check out this whole kirby's dreamland three score it's just so great to have on in the background um, if, if anyone's listening, uh, looking for some music, you know, while you're working, Dreamland 3 is just, uh, just the best. All right, let's move on to a couple Sand Canyon pieces. We'll do one and three today. We don't have time for two. Um, and one and three are so great because they're very different. Sand Canyon 1 feels like it's kind of a sister piece to that hilltop chase from Superstar. So very devious uh, and kind of um, exciting up-tempo. And then Sand Canyon 3 is a lot more jazzy and laid back, something like, you know, that Marshmallow Castle that we heard in, in the first game. So, all right, let's start things off with Sand Canyon 1. (laughs) 
the star of this is the final note of the loop, that, that piccolo note on its own. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, this music has such a good sense of humor, but it wouldn't be interesting if it, if it didn't have great melodies and interesting chords underneath it. Otherwise, it would just be annoying. Um, and I think that's it's just a humble presentation because a lot of people don't take Kirby music seriously because it's so cutesy and over the top. Um, and I think that's in some ways a little bit unfortunate because if you go under the hood here, there's so much great stuff happening. Very reminiscent of that run of that hilltop chase theme. I actually enjoy this track maybe slightly more than that. Um, I really, really like the the interesting um, chord progression that this one has. Resolving to that major one chord, I think, is really is really effective. Um, one thing that I that I really like about this game is the drum samples. I think sound so good. And they, they're very hard hitting and they just add a lot to the overall mix of, of these tunes. Like if you mute the drums, it's almost like you're muting like 60% of like what, what makes the track sound good. <laughs> That's an interesting idea. I, yeah, I think the, the sense of rhythmic propulsion and uh, constant subdivision is really important to the identity of a lot of these pieces. Oh, Something there's one quick about... thing I wanted to say before, Will, before you give your thoughts. One rhythmic thing I love about this is the going from the dun-dun-dun-dun to the dun-dun-dun-dun. I think that's really cool and effective. Sure. Something that I really like about this track, just contextually, um, it being, you know, Sand Canyon, we've talked at great lengths about some of the musical cliches that are used time and time again in video game music. Probably one of the most egregious is for desert levels trying to make them sound like, you know, Arabian music. <laughs> And yeah. using the augmented second and, you know, using harmonic minor scales and everything in a way that sometimes feels insulting and um, insulting at worst and at best just kind of unimaginative. Uh, but something that I love about this track is it uses just a splash of that kind of augmented second. So you get just a taste of, of kind of, you know, like a Central Asian character. Um, yet it doesn't really abandon the kind of harmonic and rhythmic or melodic style of the Kirby series. It's just like a little color of it, which to me makes it um, so much more unique and interesting because it's almost like it feels like having like desert wallpaper in a children's room <laughs> as opposed to yeah. you know like a, a 3d virtual reality being in an actual desert you know what i'm saying like it's kind right. of like the cartoon equivalent of it and it doesn't just feel like a throwaway device it feels like that little nugget of inspiration was used to make a killer kirby tune yeah and it is different it's a different different tone than other stages in the game and so there's something about being in the desert that you kind of hear in this track but it doesn't use the cliches and for whatever reason i just don't get the sense that this would have happened in a modern kirby game or a modern video game i feel like if there's a sand location it just it would have gone with those cliches you know it would have like a sitar and it would just be a little bit more wandering and i think the choice of going for this up-tempo kind of devious ska sound is just a really fun one okay let's move on to something uh very interesting very jazzy i like this track this is sand canyon 3 composed by jun ishikawa Thank you. 
guys are listening to Sand Canyon 3. I adore this track. I think there's not enough said about how Ishikawa makes music that you don't really need sound effects because you get the sense of the environment in the ambience in this piece of music. Like those metallic arpeggios really convey a lot of this location to me. And you kind of feel like you're hearing these environmental sounds mixed in with the music. Um, and I think on a track like this, that's that's very impressive. And again, this is still not using those Arabic cliches. It's definitely a little bit more ethnic, and there's something about this melody that feels more at home for maybe a desert than a forest or something. But it's coming at it from, I guess, more of like a jazz point of view and less of like that typical like Arabian scale thing. Uh, And so again, I think it's very fitting, but it's a unique choice that I think a lot of other composers would never have landed on. Totally. Yeah. God, I love the sound of this kind of jazz waltz. I was really kind of fixating on the drum part for this track because I know that... um, drum parts just frankly in a in a three four track sometimes kind of a tricky thing to make feel natural Mm -hmm. and to um make feel like part of a specific genre and and Um, almost everyone that tries it they're gonna just do this boom boom the whole song which really gets old fast right and i i love kind of all the subdivisions of it it turns it into something much more kind of funky and uh laid back and well that's a great point because if yeah if you listen to the drum part on this it's it's very expressive and kind of spontaneous you hear like boom there's like a lot of kind of over the bar stuff and it's it's not your typical kind of traditional waltz pattern so yeah that's kind of what makes this extra funky for sure, especially because the Kirby series is known for being so overtly classical, and, and so much of the music has these kind of oompa, you know, like kind of square white boy European rhythms. So it's like it's surprising that they would pass up an opportunity to do just kind of a straight ahead waltz. Right. That's one of the things that I love about this track. Mm-hmm. Well, this kind of feels like in some ways related to that sand Canyon three, cause it's also a waltz and it also has some of the same metallic instruments here. Um, but musically it's, it's very different. It's very beautiful. And also kind of, I'm getting some Zelda vibes. It reminds me a lot of that floating away track that we heard from Kirby superstar. I have a feeling Will's going to really enjoy this. I don't, think you've heard this before, Will. This is Mission Failed from Kirby's Dreamland 3. guys are listening to mission failed i wouldn't be that disappointed if i (laughs) failed this mission because i get to hear this music this is from dreamland 3 composed by juni shikawa will what are your thoughts on this dude i love this i i love the instrument choices um yeah it it definitely feels icy just that kind of timbre there's something chilling about it Uh, another really i think interestingly constructed rhythmic groove here no drums at all Mm -hmm. um which i think is a very effective choice 
Um, but yeah, it's really all about those subdivisions and what I think um, all the composers in this series, you know, Ishikawa, Dan Miyakawa for whatever he worked on, and Hirokazu Ando, um, they're so great at constructing these arrangements of mm-hmm. having these kind of rhythmic arpeggios or rhythmic ways of coloring a chord progression that right. are sort of this bed that a melody can sit underneath. What's interesting about that is I think in some of the tracks that you did in um, your Another Day in Dreamland, mm-hmm. you were able to sort of borrow some of those ideas because it's almost like karaoke. You know, you can kind of take the arrangement of something and, and change the chords and then write a new melody on top right but because those simple sounds are so iconic and so specific to kirby um people i think immediately understand what you're going for and you don't necessarily have that luxury with other video game series like you know for yeah, kirby you could have any kind of chord progression and do lots of different things with the melody. But if you keep this type of arrangement in this general type of vibe and rhythmic sense, people are going to identify it as Kirby every single time. Yeah. But you can't say do that with, you know, Zelda or Mario. I mean, yeah, there are some rhythmic consistencies throughout the series, but each track is kind of its own island. It's true. You kind of have to take a more close look at, you know, what's the way that Koji Kondo writes melodies and and what's the common thread between this Latin track and this track that doesn't sound anything like Latin music. But then with, with Zelda music, you also have so many other composers that have composed in in, throughout the whole series in so many different directions. Whereas being a fan of Kirby music, you are almost spoiled because I can't think of any other series of video games that is as consistent as Kirby that keeps giving you the thing that you really enjoy over and over again while making new, exciting, original music. You know, if you're a fan of Kirby music, you know, since 1992, uh, I can't imagine you've really been disappointed much, you know, musically in in the main series uh, because, you know, a lot, 90% of the scores have been worked on by either Juni Shikawa or Hirokazu Ando. So, that's one big reason for that. Okay, let's move on to Iceberg from Dreamland 3. And this is cool because this represents the the type of energy that uh, we haven't focused on today. It's kind of that boss energy, that really experimental kind of craziness. And this is a piece of music that is so all over the map. There's this combination of sound effects and alarms mixed with jazz and improvisation. You know who would probably adore this track is like Hirokazu Hip Tanaka. I think would really like this. Let's take a listen to Iceberg. Talk about a change of pace. This is Iceberg, composed by Jun Ishikawa. I wonder what he was on the day that he wrote this. 
Who else would have had this idea? Okay, you need to score an iceberg. Oh, okay, I'll do this. This is clearly the right choice. This is very, very bold and very quirky, but uh, there's, a, a, there's so much happening in this track. I would actually love to hear like a breakdown and analysis on this just to see what is happening under the hood here. Uh, Will, don't you get some hip Tanaka vibes from this? Some Earthbound? I hear what you're saying, a, a little bit of Earthbound just in the fact that it's so experimental. Uh, but harmonically, I'm also reminded of Koji Kondo. I mean, that idea of those sort of stacked fourths and fifths. That's sure. um, kind of like that Paul Hindemith chordal harmony sound or anything. But it seems to be really popular in uh, Japanese music, film music, mm -hmm. video games. It's all over the place. And I'm really fascinated by that. Um, and that that's another thing I was sort of getting well, at. Well, and that's a side of Koji Kondo that most people don't talk about, and I know Will has tried to explore that multiple times in various projects where that's a side of Koji Kondo that you think doesn't maybe doesn't get enough recognition is, is the way Definitely that he uses not. that kind of harmony for boss or battle music. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's one of the things that um, I kind of adore so much about him, and I, I think he has a really rich... Uh, sophisticated harmonic sensibility that I think is very much un unsung and very intentional. Mm -hmm. uh, but what's great about a track like this is it it's a very similar thing. I'm reminded of those kinds of sounds. You know, that very chromatic and wandering, but because you keep this paintbrush of kind of these stacked fourths, um, there's something expected about it. Right. I find that when... Um, to make experimental or dissonant music sound pleasing to the average person, it's about finding the right balance of something of coupling the dissonance with something expected. So mm -hmm. by keeping the same voicing, you know, like let's say you have a C G and then a D or maybe it's, uh, you know, voiced a little bit differently. Maybe it's like G C and F or something in fourths. Um, that's kind of like a striking interval and it does invoke some dissonance um but when you move that around and you kind of move it up chromatically in a way that maybe isn't functional but you keep that same pattern there's that mixture of something unexpected which is maybe sort of the chromaticism and the dissonance that's created by the harmony right. but the expectedness of you kind of know where each voice is going to go relative to each other but then you add on top of that unexpected totally like totally different rhythm changes where like the, the drum beat will change on a dime the groove will change on a dime and it'll go back and forth between like drum and bass electronic to like funk uh yeah it's it's just all over the place uh yeah i feel like this is a piece of music that you could talk about for an hour it's just really expressive and very experimental okay Let's, let's end things today. The last track we'll discuss here. The classic Kirby sound. Very simple, very delightful. This one has a nice swing to it. This is Casting from Dreamline 3.
You guys are listening to casting. Um, I just want to say a couple quick things uh, before we wrap up about this. I really enjoy that use of the minor four in this track. A little bit more sweetness and kind of uh, emotional earnestness that you get in this piece that maybe you don't get in a lot of Kirby stage themes. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure the use in the game. It's called casting. Maybe this is near the end before the credits. Maybe when you're seeing all the characters you've seen in the game. So there's kind of a nostalgia uh, to this. Uh, very, very sweet music. Um, and I'm excited for you guys to hear the play out track today because um, that's also a very sweet piece of music. Absolutely. This was so much fun. I, I love today's episode. This is maybe one of my favorite episodes that we've done in a few months. Me too. Just, every track was stellar, fun arrangements, great melodies. It um, really spoils you. I mean, I I absolutely adore the music of Kirby and especially Superstar and Dreamland 3. Some of my all-time favorite scores, like I kind of wish that this was the kind of music we could talk about every single week because yeah. <laughs> I'm just so infinitely inspired and excited and just invigorated by this music. And so I, I just am so thankful for composers like Ishikawa and he's still active. It's interesting, you know, in, in modern Kirby games, it really feels like Ando is taking a lot more of the lead when you look at the crediting you know, there'll be like 80% of the music composed by Ando, and then Ishikawa will do like a few pieces, and then he'll remix old themes, but it seems like Ishikawa is is not doing as much these days, so... The thing, um, though, is you don't really feel it, because, I mean, yeah. the... the it is such a consistent sound. I mean, when we did that Planet Robobot, I mean, I yeah. definitely wasn't feeling like there was anything lacking. I mean, it, and and it Ando's really no reminded slouch. me of this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're really sort of a stellar team and they keep delivering. It's so fantastic. One thing that we need to mention, um, uh, we, we sort of hinted a few times in today's episode, our Mercado band, uh, we're actually playing a show at VGM Con, which, uh, if you're listening to this, is on Friday. the upcoming weekend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this Friday. That's crazy. Yeah. So if you're in the area, Midwest area, you should definitely come to Minneapolis and check it out. It's going to be awesome. A lot of cool guests, uh, Disaster Piece, uh, Jason Graves, two composer guests that will be at the con, uh, Super Guitar Brothers will be there which would be really cool um some other great performers so uh yeah it's going to be a really interesting weekend uh we're going to play you guys out with credits from dreamland 3 which kind of has that classic ishikawa snes sound it has that kind of that vibey metallic lead and you know really great jazzy harmonized arpeggios really everything that you've come to like about snes kirby music so check that out that's going to be what we'll play you out with today uh, a couple things to mention we want to thank all of our patrons for their support we have uh, some more patreon episodes coming up soon and we've had quite a bit actually recently uh this season so we'll have some more of that uh we also want to thank everyone for leaving reviews on itunes that really helps new people discover the show for any new fans uh, new listeners welcome and thanks for joining us uh you can like us on on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. We have a YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to there as well. And stay tuned. I know we mentioned this last week, but fairly soon here, we're going to be having some pretty exciting Mercado announcements. So you guys are going to want to uh, stay tuned for that. I think that just about does it. Will, anything else you want to add? No, that's it for me, man. Oh, one thing that we didn't mention is that both Carl and I are kind of sick today. Yeah, let's so mention at the apologies very end. if our voices <laughs> are kind of weird today. Sorry um, for the previous hour. Hopefully you hour. didn't notice at all. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's definitely not as bad as some episodes. Like, I can't remember what it was, but when I was doing the scrubbing down memory lane, mm-hmm. there were a couple episodes I was listening to, and I'm like, oh, Carl's really sick. Yeah, <laughs> there's only been, I think, a couple that I remember were, while recording, I sounded really, really terrible. But yeah, I don't sound that bad right now. All right, so yeah, we'll play <laughs> Let you Let us know if you uh, agree in the comments section. <laughs> Who sounded worse? All right, my name is Carl Bergerman. <laughs> and I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.